Well, this is the year of great reward, isn't it? So we can expect good things to happen. Who's expecting good things to happen to them this year? All right. Well, well, you might as well. You know, you might as well look for the best. What's the use of going around mumbling away and miserable? We might as well. God, is God a good God or not? Of course he is. He's a great God. And he's a rewarder. We've been talking about this thing of, 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 of uh, God being a rewarder. And that uh, this year is the year of great reward for this church. And so we need to know how to enter into that. We need to know how to place ourselves in a position where God can do great things for us. Hallelujah. And through us. Not just for us, but through us. That as a church, we come into the realm of great reward. This church has been going now for 11 years, and there's been a lot of seeds sown. And when you sow seed, there has to be a harvest. And so we're expecting a harvest. A harvest of the good things of God. A harvest of people. A harvest of young people this year. Who are giving their hearts to, to the Lord. And uh, so we're looking. And so we're looking. Uh, when Pastor Paul preached a couple of weeks ago, he brought up this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, and it's up on the screen right now, we hope. What does it say? Let's all read it together. Here we go. No, it's 11 6 actually. I'll quote it to you. Okay. He that comes to God, what? Must believe that he. He is. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a a rewarder of who? Those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, let's just break that down for a moment. He is. When he was asked who he was, God said, I am who I am. And God is, hallelujah. He is, he's very present, he's here to help, he's there, he he will never leave you nor forsake you, he is there. And when you come to God, for whatever your need is and whatever circumstance you find, you just got to believe that he is, that he's there, that he's able, that he is a rewarder. You know, many people haven't worked it out that God is a good God. You know, sometimes we have, we, when we have the insurance people, if there's a disaster, they call it an act of God. How dumb is that? <laughs> an act of God. And they have this concept that God is, 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 he sort of, he may be good at times, but he's also very judgmental. You see, my Bible tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil. He is totally good, and everything he does is good, and everything he does for you and I is good. It's for our good. It may not at the time appear to be good, but it will turn to good if we walk with him and trust him because God's a good God. And he only allows things to happen to us that are good for us. Now, sometimes we think we don't like some medicine, but it's good for us. Yeah? And sometimes things happen in our life, and I'll talk about this at some point, 
That's why bad things happen to good people. But God works these things to us. And he turns things to good. He is a rewarder. He is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. He only does bad things. And he may dress it up and it might appear good to start with, but it'll end up bad. The devils try and get us to enjoy things that are bad for us. And so we need to know that God is a good God and that he's a rewarder of who? Of those who seek him. Those who follow after him. Those who are willing to find out what plans he has for their life. Who seek the good things of God. Not only that we seek him, and I'll talk about that a little more, but those who diligently seek him. See, if you and I are going to come into our area of reward, then it's not going to be because it's just a, a, a sort of a casual ho-hum, well, maybe, you know, just another year, and I'll just drift along, and, and I'll just serve God when it suits me, and if it doesn't, well, I'll just fit him in. You know, many people uh, serve God as the God of leftovers. If there's enough time left over, then I'll read the Bible. If there's enough of money left over, I'll give something. If there's enough uh, time, then I'll go and see someone. If there's enough thing, then I'll, I'll, I'll you know. And, and we give God the last, but the left. If there's anything left over, then Lord, this is for you. But that's not the principle of diligently seeking God. God requires the first part. The best part, yeah? He talks about bringing the first part of our income to the Lord of giving God the first part of our time and making him a priority in our life. Can you, can you understand that? There's something about, about following God diligently. And if we're going to think, if things are going to change for you and I, then we need to be more diligent about how we treat Jesus, about how we walk with the Lord. About, because it's, it, there's great rewards out there for those who diligently seek him. So you say, well, Ian, what? I mean, how, how do you diligently seek God? Well, I'm going to talk to you about that. How can we diligently seek God? I'm going to bring a couple of pointers. And uh, uh, next week, I'm on again next week, so don't run away. <laughs> because we want to walk into this thing of rewards, and I want to take the scriptures that talk about how... Where does God reward? What happened? What brings the response of the Father heart of God to begin to open the windows of heaven and cause his blessing and his reward to be added to our lives in a continual pattern? That it's not just a one-off thing that we walk into this blessing. Well, well don't miss next week. <laughs> All right. Now we need some glasses here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, there will be the blessing of God will follow you if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yes? And so there's something about... Um, Seeking the righteous ways of God. 
of, of th th there's something here that if we begin to follow the righteous ways of God, the good ways, the right way of doing stuff, and diligently pursuing that, then Jesus said his blessing and the rewards will begin to follow you and begin to add, be added to our lives. In Proverbs 13 and verse 23, it says, Trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Trouble chases sinners, but blessings reward the righteous. So not only are we righteous because we've come into salvation, but we are doing righteous things. We're doing the right things. And there is reward that follows those that do those sorts of things. Okay, how can we be diligent about seeking the Lord? Well, first thing is, we need to include God in our lives more than we have been doing. See, we get so busy, but we forget. We do everything else, and then we say, well, I've tried everything else, now I'll pray. Which you'll agree with me is not seeking first the kingdom of God. It's sort of seeking last. Well, I've tried everything else on my own. I've done, given my best shot. Nothing's worked. Now I'm in deep guacamole. Now I better start asking God, help me. But we need to change that round. If we want to walk into God's rewards, we need to seek first Him. Yes. And then, hallelujah, He will begin to explain things. Matthew 6 and verse 6 puts it like this. This is Jesus. He says, when you pray, what? Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And one version says, openly. If we're going to walk into this thing of great reward... Jesus said there's great reward if you will close the door and talk to him about it. That you'll take time to be with your creator. Somehow, in your busy schedule, that you'll make a time and that you would get on your own with him and close the door. You say, man, I've got five kids. How am I ever going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I had four children, and I don't know how I did it either. But now I'm retired. It's brilliant. I can do this stuff. You say, oh, I'll wait till I'm retired then. No, if you will spend some time, somewhere during the week, that you'll make a slot. Maybe you can do it daily. Maybe you can do it two or three times a week. Maybe. But there needs to come a time when just you and Jesus go in and sit down and be still and say, Lord, I'm here. And the Father who sees in secret will begin to reward you. See, it's like 
We expect as Christians to be able to walk through life and get it all and, hey, we're on the victory side and we've got great faith and everything turns out and works together for good and hallelujah, I'm a follower of Jesus. But you know, when I was training to play sport and football and things like that, I discovered that I'd be very slow in the last 20 minutes of the game unless I trained, unless I got fit. And so because I was keen to excel in, in the sport that I, that I enjoyed, I would, I would go out, when I got back from school, I'd go out running. And I'd run. Nobody would see me out there. But in the last 20 minutes, I was still running when everyone else was walking. Because it's the last 20 minutes that wins the game. And it's whether we're fit enough. And you only get fit if you're willing to put in the hours on your own. Hallelujah. And so it is in our spiritual life. You say, I want to walk into great reward. Jesus said, close the door. Take some time this year. Get alone with the Lord. The old hymn said it like this, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Just talk with him. Just include him. When you're driving your car, just talk to him. Include him. Ask his opinion. What do you reckon, Lord? Just ask him about everything. And take some time. You want to excel as a Christian? Spend time with Christ. Talk things over. I was reading the other morning and I came across this in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 34. And it just, he, Jesus had been talking in parables and telling the stories. And, and, and there was, what's that all about? And it just says this, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. And I've discovered it's when I've got quiet and alone that he begins to explain things to me that I never had a clue was going on. And I was confused and not sure which way to go. And then I just closed the door and got alone with him. And he began to explain things to me. As I read the Bible, I saw things that I never understood before. King David was like that. He wanted to build the temple. And he was all fired up about doing this for God. And then the prophet Nathan turns up and says, No, you're not doing that. That's not what I want you to do. And he could have got all upset and all, well, you know. Whatever. But he didn't. What did he do? He went in and he sat before the Lord. And God began to explain to him the blessings and the rewards that he had for him. And although God didn't want him to do this one thing, there were so many other things that God was lining up for him. That he left that quiet time with God excited and thrilled about what God had for him. And you will too. If you close the door and give him some time. You see, 
Talk things over with the Holy Spirit. Don't talk with everyone. Talk to God first. Don't ring up your mate and have a grizzle session. Close the door and talk to God about it. Hallelujah. The prophet Isaiah said, if you want to talk as a learned disciple, then you must open your ear like an learned disciple and take time to listen. And then take your Bible with you. See, if you and I are going to find and walk into the great rewards that God has, we need to know God's right ways of doing things. The book, the book, hallelujah, if you and I are going to enjoy the blessing of God, we need to read the book. You've got to read the books somewhere, sometimes, somehow, get along and read the book, the Bible, and learn his ways. This is how we seek diligently. This is how God tells us how life works. This is how God can explain stuff to you that you'll never understand in a thousand years. But a moment, 20 minutes with the book, and he'll begin to explain stuff to you. Begin to see what it's about. Begin to instruct you. Psalm 19 talks about this. A few verses from here. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it say there? Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You want to make wise decisions? Wisdom is found in the Bible. Wisdom for living. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. See, look at that. If you read the Bible, your life, your soul, and your spirit will be refreshed. You'll have a light in your eye. You'll have joy in your heart just from reading this. Just from under... You see, you can get all sorts of things and sadness of life and where we don't understand life and we don't know what's going on. It gets us down and we start to feel miserable and say, well, listen, the statutes of the Lord are making wise the simple. The law of the law is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Hallelujah. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. You see? The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. This is the key, great key. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Keep going. Next bit. Is that it? And in keeping of them, that finishes off. Oh, here we go. They are more precious than gold. Wow. Your creator considers what you can learn from here more precious than gold you can earn from working the whole week. 
That takes a bit of faith believing, doesn't it? They are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. God can warn you and keep you clear from dangers that are coming up. You can be pre-warned by reading this book. The Holy Spirit can open up for you and say, don't walk on that pathway. Don't go down that road. You can be warned. You can be pre-warned. You can be free. Hallelujah. And by keeping of the word, there is what? Great reward. You say in the year of great reward, what's going what's to open this to How can I walk into this great reward? By keeping the word of God. Hallelujah. There's no real shortcut to this. There's two. We can walk as Christians through life hoping that it'll all just happen. And that's not any more going to happen than what it will be if you and I want to excel in our sport or in our vocation, if we just cruise into it and just sort of just walk, just, hey, whatever happens will be. Whatever will be, will be. Never mind. Bring it on. Which in a few months goes, yeah. But if we seek him diligently, if we keep it, there is great reward, hallelujah, from spending time knowing what the book says. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Where's my glasses? All right. Proverbs 4 and verse 10 to 13 says, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well. It is your life. In other words, this word will guide us. Stop us from stumbling. You know, you, you and I have lived long enough. I can look back on my life. The times I neglected this and the instruction in there, my life turned to custard. I knew what it said. I just didn't choose to follow it. I rejected the wisdom of God. And it didn't turn out well. We're going to walk into the rewards of the Lord, then we can find the word of God. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Devour this book. Take time. Just, you know, do something. Read it when you can. But this year, diligently. Come on. Diligently. Whatever that means to you. And it means differently to different ones. Somebody said that how you treat the Bible is how you treat Jesus. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. This book 
I remember old Barry Smith, the old evangelist, used to say, he used to say, dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. <laughs> but what, how, how, how do you treat the book? He is the Word. His name is Jesus. He's in this book. He's here in this book. This book is God-breathed, God-inspired. There is the wisdom of the Almighty God in this book. And if you will take time to get us and close the door and take your Bible with you and just sit and begin to read, then God will begin to bless you. I was reading this this week, and I just came. I was reading in Matthew chapter 14, and I came across the story of the 5,000. And I was sitting there, just read it, and I was just sitting there. I said, Lord, that's just great. And, and it starts off in Matthew 14. It says, it says, it says there that um, you give them something to eat. And that was the scripture some years ago that got me off my backside made me make myself available to teach the word of God again. Then the little fella took the five loaves and the two fish and gave them to Jesus. And this morning, he spoke to my heart that morning about a couple of days ago. And he said, to tell the people that if they will just take what they have, and give it to Jesus, then he will break it open, and from heaven the blessing of God will begin to feel. And it says that they were all fed until they were satisfied. And this morning I've taken this simple word, and I've given it to you, and I've trusted the Lord will feed you and satisfy you and lead you into the pathway of his great reward. Hallelujah. You see, he's here. He's in this book. You'll find him in every book of the Bible. When you open it, he's there to talk with you and to share his life and his will and his purpose for you. He's in the book. In, in, in Genesis, you'll find him there. He's the author and the creator of life. In Exodus, you'll find him there. He's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, you'll find him there. He's the scapegoat. In Numbers, you'll find him. He's there. He's the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. His name is Jesus. In Deuteronomy, he gives us the law. He's there in this book. All the time, he's there. In every book of the Bible, he will find him there. Jesus is there. In Joshua, you'll find him there as the one who is our inheritance. In Judges, you'll find him there as the one who is our deliverer. In Ruth, he's our nearest kinsman. 
In 1 Samuel, you'll find him there as the one who looks at our hearts and not just on the outward appearance. 2 Samuel is the Ark of the Covenant. In 1 Kings, you'll find him there. He's there in that book. It's 1 Kings. He's the one, and I've forgotten that one. I'm going to look over here to make sure I can tell you it. And if I miss any of these, you tell me. First Kings, where is it? He's wiser than Solomon. In Second Kings, he's the God of Elisha. In First Chronicles, he establishes David's kingdom. Second Chronicles, he's the, he's the Shekinah glory. You'll find him here in the book. In Ezra, he's the master teacher. In Nehemiah, he's the master builder. In Esther, he's our nearest kinsman. In Job, he's the one who restores. When great loss has been, he restores double. Job, in Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In Proverbs, he's the beginning of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the one who causes our light to shine. He's the one who has a season for everything, and that everything is beautiful in its time. The Song of Solomon, he's the lover of my soul. And Isaiah, he's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And Jeremiah, he's the master potter. In Lamentation, he's the one who weeps. And Ezekiel, he's there. He's the one who breathes life into the dry bones. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He's in the book. You'll find him here if you'll open the book. And Daniel, what comes after Daniel? Who? Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. He's the, he's the divine husband. And Joel, he's the one who restores. Amos, he's the plumb line. Obadiah, he's the God, the righteous judge. Jonah, he's the God who is full of mercy. Micah, uh, what have I got? I've lost it. I'm old. Hallelujah. And Joel, he's the restorer. Where have I get to? Joel, he's the restorer. Amos, yeah, he's the plumb line. Obadiah is the righteous. Job is my. Micah, he's the one who causes us. To, that's right. He's the one who causes us to rise again. And Nahum, he's the God of justice. And Habakkuk, he's the one who fulfills vision. Hallelujah. And Zephaniah is preparing the day of the Lord. And Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. Zechariah, he's the coming Messiah. And in Malachi, hallelujah, he's the one who has risen with healing in his wings, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and turning the hearts of the children to the fathers. He's right through the Old Testament. If you'll find him, if you'll take time to walk with him, there is great reward, hallelujah, in spending time with Jesus. And then in Matthew, he's the king. In Mark, he's the servant. In Luke, 
He's the faithful God. He's the one who, uh, he's the savior of the world. And John, he's the son of God. And Acts, he's building his church in Romans. He's the God who justifies. In 1 Corinthians, he's the giver of gifts. In 2 Corinthians, uh, he is the one. Uh, what is the 2 Corinthians? He, he's, he's the one. And I've lost it. I've lost that one. Let me come back to that because I've tried to remember these. 2 Corinthians, oh yes. Beholding him, we are changed from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In Galatians, he becomes a curse for us. In Ephesians, he sits, seats us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Philippians, he's the prize of the high calling of God. His name is Jesus, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In Colossians, in Colossians, what is he in Colossians? I've lost that one. I knew all these this morning. I'm old, but I'm getting there. Hallelujah. What does it say? Oh, yeah. He's the head of all principalities and all of powers in Colossians. What comes next? First Thessalonians. He comes down from heaven with a shout. Second Thessalonians, he restore, he reveals the Antichrist to us. Yes. What is next? First, did I say first Timothy? He put he puts the church in order. And second Timothy, he breathes life into all the scriptures. And Titus, he's the giver of sound doctrine. And Philemon, he's the, he's the God who reconciles. Yes, he does. And Hebrews, he's the mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises. And James, hallelujah, he is the one who gives wisdom to those who ask for it. And First Peter, he's the suffering savior. And Second Peter, he's the giver of his divine nature. And First John, there he is. He's the God of love. And second John, he's the God of truth. And third John, he's the one who is faithful to us. And Titus, he is the one of sound. I've said that. First John. Jude, beholding him, he can keep you from falling. And he will present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. And in Malachi, he is the Alpha. In Revelation, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning of the in the end. He is the first and the last. He is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords. Friends, if you'll hide this book in your heart, you'll find Him. If you look for Him, you'll find Him. If you seek Him diligently, Hallelujah. There is great reward in following Jesus. Will you this year? Will you this year? Give some time to him. Will you this year take time and close the door and get alone with him and talk over stuff with him and open the book? I use in my devotion time, I still just use the Radio Rima notes. You can get them free from Radio Rima. And they take you through the Bible, the whole Bible in one year. And you can read right through the Bible in one year and there's little notes of encouragement and blessing. I am staggered at how much blessing there is. Bring up Radio Rima or we'll get some for the church. And just to spend 20 minutes with him, read the Bible in a whole year and you'll be blessed. My friend, it's the year of great reward. You know, sometimes 
God can be moving by His Spirit all over the place in a church. And I find some people and they sit there and God blesses person after person and pours out His Spirit and this person is unmoved and they go out untouched. Why is that? They're not in position to receive the blessing of the Lord. I remember one meeting I was at. I came out so excited. Fifteen people had given their hearts to the Lord. I saw a, a man throw away his crutches and start to run around the place. I saw this lady who was almost blind. She began to read the Bible again, little small print. I saw God do some amazing things and I went out so excited and I got out into the foyer of this place and I met this dear couple. I said, wasn't that great? Isn't God so good? They said, oh, there was no anointing there tonight. God wasn't there tonight. I thought, where were you sitting? They weren't in a position to see what God was doing. Can you and I position ourselves this year for great reward? Can you and I get ready for the fullness of the blessing of God? So that if God should open the windows of heaven, hallelujah, and pour out such a blessing that you and I would say, oh, I'm ready for this. And you walk into your great reward and walk with us into our great reward. Hallelujah. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Why don't you give your life to the Lord? You've seen others open their hearts to him, but you've never taken that step yourself. You're sort of just hanging in there. You really don't want to surrender the reins of your life to him, but this morning as you've sat there, you've been saying, I don't know God like this. I don't have that sort of work. Start this morning. Open your life to the Lord. This last verse from Romans tells us how to do that. Here it comes. What does it say? The word is near us in our mouth. And in your heart, that's the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you will declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, with your mouth that you profess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You can't go wrong if you'll open your life to Jesus.